Support for Coffee Table comes from Pier 1 Theater, Homer's Community Theater, supporting community voices. Schedules and information on Pier 1 Productions at 226-2287 and pier1theater.org. Good morning. You are tuned to KBBI Homer AM 890 and K201AO Seward at 88.1 FM. The topic for today's coffee table is the Constitutional Convention. We have representatives on both sides of the issue. In the studio with me here today is former Representative Paul Seaton. How's that working? Perfect. And we are going to have a phone call in from Representative Ben Carpenter, who couldn't make it because of the snow coming in and I think he's calling he's from Nikiski yeah so before we get started and and have introductions we're waiting to hear from him before we get started I'm going to play just a little introduction to what the constitutional convention is while we wait to get connected with Ben the hour appointed by the Alaska Territorial Legislature For three months during the winter of 1955 and 1956, 55 delegates from around Alaska created the state's founding document. Then 31-year-old Vic Fisher was among them. Victor Fisher! At 98, he's the last surviving delegate. Being late to the statehood game, the Alaska delegates had the benefit of pulling the best parts from other states' constitutions and learning from past mistakes. very much like the United States Constitution in terms of being short and specific. The 12,000-word document has been updated 28 times since its passage, with voter-approved amendments to allow for the permanent fund dividend, prohibit sex discrimination, and create a right of privacy clause, for example. But changing the Constitution on a broader and more fundamental level requires a convention. Alaska is one of 14 states that regularly asks voters directly if they want to hold one. Fisher can imagine a time for a new constitutional convention, but right now he worries about the cost, the current political climate, and the possibility of outside interests and money influencing changes. They could throw uh, big monies, dark monies, uh, at a constitutional convention and create this situation that would be just desperately miserable for Alaska. But Republican Senator Robert Myers disagrees. He sees a constitutional convention as an opportunity for long-term planning to address fiscal questions about spending caps, the permanent fund dividend, and taxation. Really what we've seen over the last few years is some very significant changes in, in our economy and, and how uh, things operate in Alaska. And our constitution needs to reflect some of those changes. Myers isn't alone. A group of conservative activists and politicians have joined forces to create a formal campaign called Convention Yes, to advocate for the vote and not just to address fiscal issues. The recent Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe versus Wade has some looking at how Alaska's right to privacy clause protects abortion access. Advocates like Alaska Independence Party Chairman Bob Byrd want to change Alaska's judicial system, alter the education system, and more. The PFD is the spark 
But when you get the spark like that, and there's no limit to what a constitutional convention might produce, then we can look at the incredibly long list of things that need correction. Bird says it's important for voters to understand that they're the ones in charge of the process. The people get to control whether or not there will be a constitutional convention. And then we'll get to vote as to who our delegates will be. And then we're going to get to vote as to whether we like what is produced by the convention. A yes vote raises a lot of questions, like how much it would cost, when it would be held, and how delegates would be chosen. One white paper put an estimated cost above $16 million. And Alaskans could spend all that money and time and then reject the changes at the polls. Former Republican Senator Kathy Giesel, who's running for state Senate again right now, says it's too risky. This is not the right time, with emotions running high on so many different issues, to, to try to sit down and craft a solid document that would continue to provide stability and a positive future for our state. Giesel and Fisher are co-chairs of Defend Our Constitution, a broad-based coalition against holding a constitutional convention. They agree that the current Constitution provides a strong foundation for Alaska. A new Constitutional Convention can take the existing Convention and dump it. Just start from scratch and do something completely different. And I'm not sure that that makes any sense. Voters will decide whether to hold the first new convention since statehood on November 8th. For Alaska Public Media, I'm Erin McKinstry. And we're back, and I think we have Ben. Ben, are you there? Good morning. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Very good. I'm here. Great. And we also have Paul Seaton. I'm going to just have the both of you... Um, and Ben, if you want to go first, that's fine. Uh, just give give yourself an introduction or introduce yourself to the audience. Thank you. And, and I'm sorry, I, I had planned to be there in person, but uh, when I measured it this morning, we had 14 inches of snow on the ground and it had not been plowed out. I made it out of my neighborhood, but decided that it probably was not a good, wise thing to drive. So um, yes, my name is Ben Carpenter. I am the current representative for District 29 that is also after redistricting, um, District 8 becomes District 8. And I am running for re-election. I am currently unopposed in this election. So that's uh, not my fault, but I, I don't have any uh, opponent. Um, I was first elected to the legislature in 2018. So my first uh, session was in 2019. And I've lived in Nikiski, called Nikiski home for more than 30 years. My parents moved up here in the uh, mid-80s. I graduated high school from Nikiski and spent um, about 20 years outside uh, with the military and then uh, came back and have uh, finished raising my family here in Nikiski. My wife and I um, have our own peony farm here in Nikiski. We um, export those peonies out of state. And my wife is also um, a pretty good uh, florist and has been uh, putting peonies and, and other flowers in arrangements and we've been selling them to uh, locals. Uh, so that's um, that's kind of an introduction. I'm, I'm, I'm a family man. I've got four kids, uh, two grown adult children, and uh, two teenagers still in the house. And um, we're, we're busy. Thank you. And Paul? Well, uh, thank you very much. I'm glad to be on the coffee table. Um, 
this morning with Ben. Um, I am Paul Seaton. I was the state representative for the Lower Kenai Peninsula uh, for oh, 16 years, and so um, had a lot of experience uh, in that, as well as representing uh, Seward. We lived in Seward for about uh, seven years and Anchor Point for eight years, and then we've been out uh, in Ketchmack City uh, here just east of Homer uh, for about 30 years. So um, my wife and I um, have had a commercial fishing business for uh, all the time I've been in Alaska since like 1974, and uh, two, uh, two kids, two granddaughters, and uh, just really enjoy Alaska. So, Great, thank you. I want to remind the listening audience, if you have questions, you can call the station at 907-235-7721, or you can email questions to Desiree, that's D-E-S-I-R-E-E, -E -E, at kbbi.org. So first question, pretty broad. Um, you know, this is ballot measure one that we're talking about, whether to have or not have a constitutional convention. It's a once-a-decade question that we get asked as Alaska voters. I want to know, why do you support or oppose a constitutional convention? And I, either one that wants to go first. Okay, I'm going to say Ben. Why, <laughs> okay. why are you for? Yeah, well, I am for it because it's a, uh, a normative process uh, of self-government, meaning it's written into the Constitution that the people, as the authors of the Constitution, and that's our, our contract with our government, um, are asked every decade if we want to have a constitutional convention to address uh, what, the con what the Constitution needs to say. And it's a normative process. We shouldn't be afraid of it. Um, Alaskans, and, and I've written an article about this that can, uh, it was published in the, um, the Clarion and, and other outlets, um, BenCarpenterPost.com has, has got it as well. Um, for, for a very long time, Alaskans have been asking for some change within our judiciary, and it's really a question about justice. It's, it's an issue that unites Alaskans from rural areas of our state to, to more urban areas. And for, for decades, our, our folks that live out in the, the native Alaskans who live out in villages, just they feel like they're, they're second-class citizens and don't get the justice that they need. Part of the issue, part of the issue that we have is because um, a very small number of people actually select judges that a, a uh, governor has to pick from in order to fill the judiciary. And so whether you're talking about issues that affect um, families like um, OCS cases, right? Or uh, child in need cases, things that are very emotional and, and foundational to our society, or whether you're dealing with uh, PFD issues, uh, the constitutional nature of, of uh, prohibition of uh, dedication of funds, or you're dealing with a spending cap, which is something that our constitution has a spending limit is just not effective. Those are issues that the people have been asking the legislature to deal with for decades. And we have, we have failed to do that. The last time that we even considered a, a constitutional amendment seriously and actually passed one was uh, about 18 years ago. 
So it's time for us to deal with some of the issues that need to be dealt with, but the legislature refuses to deal with. The legislature has every opportunity to pass constitutional amendments, but it requires a two-thirds majority vote within the legislature to do so. The legislature can call a constitutional convention at any time if it wants to as well. But the people every decade have been given authority by our constitution to call our own constitutional convention when the system that we've created is not working. And that is where we find ourselves today is that our, our legislature is very divided. It is a, we recognize that there's a polarization in our, in our society and the issues that the people want to have addressed are not being addressed. And, and that's, for, that's, a, that's a political decision, right? Some people like the dysfunction that's happening in, in Juneau because that's, it helps them accomplish what they need to accomplish. And the people are tired of it. Thank you. Uh, I have some follow-up questions for you, but I, I'll come back to them. Uh, Paul, why do you oppose having a constitutional convention? Well, I'd, I'd really like to address that, but I'd really like to start with our audience um, about the Alaska Constitution because it uh, establishes the form and the function of our living together in Alaska. And it works well for laying out the branches of government. It works really well for laying out our rights and our freedom. And it works well for creating the duties and the limits on government. But, you know, let's step back and see how citizens have organized the state you know, if everybody, you know, just in your mind, think of a pyramid on a table, and now take that pyramid and turn it upside down so that it balances on the point. Uh, the tip of that uh, pyramid, that bottom third of that pyramid, would represent our Constitution. The middle third would represent the state laws, and the top third would be the city and borough ordinances and regulations. You know, the state laws must align with the Constitution, and it is supported by it. The city laws have to do the same, plus they must align with state laws. Changing uh, a bunch of the pieces of that bottom of the pyramid, that point is there, unbalances the entire pyramid and throws everything into legal chaos. That is why both the Homer Resolution and the Kachemak City Resolution opposing the Constitution say, whereas changes to the constitutional foundation of local ordinances and regulations would lead to numerous and expensive lawsuits. So this is the kind of chaos that we can throw into if we t change our founding document and remove the supports of that and throw all of these laws, uh, case law out, uh, et cetera. You know, understanding these basic principles is why the No On One Defend Our Constitution Coalition says a convention is unnecessary, costly, and dangerous. You can get lots of information from defendourconstitution.com. We also need to look at the inaccuracies of the convention yes have been using to encourage your vote. Some people say our Constitution is broken, but I'm asking you to think about what you dislike in government. I believe most of us, uh, it's not the Constitution, it's simply the policies, the laws, or the people the voters are sending to Juneau. These are changeable without changing our Constitution. So I think that kind of lays out the parameters of why we want to be 
uh, voting no, and again, we'll go in more detail on why it's unnecessary, the amendment process, uh, how it's costly to Alaska, and why it's dangerous or risky. Okay. So, you know, my next question is, um, I had been looking through the proposed constitution by the Alaska Independence Party, and there's quite a few things that it mentions as, you know, things that might be on the table for changes to, to the Alaska Constitution. Ben, I'm wondering, you know, for you, you mentioned the judicial selection process. What are some other changes that, that voters or people that would be voting yes for the Constitutional Convention, what, what, are, what are some of the changes they hope for or that you hope for? Well, um, one of the things that I would like to see is that, um, you know, the Constitution lays out uh, the process by which a convention would be held, and the legislature has a say in that. Um, I would hope that one of the things um, that happens is that the current legislators be excluded from membership in the convention. And I, I say that because if the people would, ag would agree to hold a constitutional convention because the legislature is dysfunctional and not dealing with the issues that people want it to deal with, then sending legislators to the convention wouldn't make any sense because you would get similar results, right? You want some fresh thinking to go into that convention. And the, the things that can come out of the convention, are, like, um, like my opponent here uh, said, you know, anything can come out of the convention, right? The convention has, per the Constitution, has plenary power to change anything that they want within the, within the uh, Constitution. Now, that has to be reasonable because not, not only do they, um, can they change it, but then they, that change has to go before the people to be ratified. So if, if the people are sending representatives to the Constitution or to the convention in order to change the Constitution, then it, it stands to reason that the people also uh, are sending members there to, to be reasonable and to not pass something that isn't going to be uh, to mass, uh, muster the vote when that constitutional amendment comes around to the, to the people to ratify. Otherwise, you're just wasting time. So dealing with some key issues that the people want to have dealt with are important. And there's a, there's a litany of things that, that various people have. Um, you, you highlighted the, um, a particular political party has highlighted um, issues that they would like to see addressed. Everybody has their own opinions on the matter, whether it's and the, and the list can be long, right? If it's the PFD problem or it's abortion problem or it's uh, move the legislature from Juno problem or judge selection or a spending cap, all of those things are things that have been um, are, are influencing the political dynamics of our state and and are able to be solved to um, make our system more functional. And, and remove the dysfunction from the legislature. And uh, any of those things could be addressed, but it's not up to me. It's not up to one person that says this. It's, it's up to whoever the people decide to send as representatives of what's gonna be addressed. And again, I will highlight that whatever comes out of the convention still has to be ratified by the people. So if it is wild and chaotic, as my opponent would say, it's not gonna muster uh, the vote of the people. So I, I think that the, the, 
narrative that this is chaos is uh, or potential chaos to be avert, uh, avoided is is unreasonable. It is it is it is not um, in keeping with faith and trust in the people to make good decisions. If you come from the position that says we can't trust Alaskans and therefore whatever they do in a, in a convention is going to be chaotic, that is that is not a, a position that holds the people. Alaskans in very high esteem. I hold them in high esteem. I think they make good decisions and um, can be trusted. And I don't think that a process to revise our constitution is going to be a chaotic um, re- result in chaos. Yes, it will be a, a challenging environment for sure. Lots of debate and every constitutional convention that has happened um, within our country, whether it's the national or whether it's uh, each one of the states, um, it's going to be a debate. It's going to be contentious because they're important issues, but that's not chaotic. Do we know where the delegates, sorry to interrupt. Do we know where the delegates, how are they going to be chosen? You say that they're going to be selected by the people, but is there a protocol in place or do we, do we know like the logistics of how this would go down? Sure. So the constitution lays out the foundation for calling a constitutional convention and the constitution says that in the absence of action by the legislature the convention should be called by the lieutenant governor on similar terms as the original constitution was uh that gave us the constitution or the original convention that gave us the constitution sorry those are two words that have got seized and they're long and i get them interchanged but the original constitutional convention had a format and our constitution points to it as the way to uh, both uh, select delegates and hold a, a convention. So that, in the absence of any other direction by the legislature, that's how it would occur. And the way that it occurred would be, or the way that it's spelled out is by our current legislative district. So um, each district would have their um, election of representatives. Now, if the legislature chooses to do something different, then that is what would take precedent. Yeah, I would like to interject a couple things. First of all, the Constitution is specific in that it allows legislators to serve in a constitutional convention. Uh, That's in Article 2, Section 5. So um, the idea that has been proposed that legislators won't be involved in this, I think, is... Uh, short-sighted because, of course, the people that are running for the legislature are running for the legislature because they want to make changes. They want to have input into the policy. This is going to be the biggest policy option ever in the history of Alaska, much more than a legislature where a bill is coming forward, uh, put forward, and may or may not make it through, and most of them don't. So that's uh, one thing. The other is that there has to be action by the legislature because the way in which the delegates were chosen previously is unconstitutional anymore because there's been so much population change. We don't use recording districts the way they were used in territorial days. So uh, I, unfortunately, I chalked the failure of the, um, there being a bill introduced to the legislature to tell the people what they're voting on. Right now, uh, con- uh, convention, yes, are asking the voters of Alaska to give the legislature a blank check 
for how many people are going to be elected, where they're going to meet, uh, how they're going to be selected or elected, um, and all, all of the other issues around, uh, surrounding that. Um, it just says, unless there's another law passed, and there will have to be another law passed because we can't conduct it the, the way it was. Is it going to be in College, Alaska? Is it going to be at the University of Alaska? Is it going to be in Juneau? Who knows? But that could have all been solved so that the people of Alaska would know what they were voting on uh, if the supporters of a constitutional convention had introduced and passed a bill that said, these are the parameters what people are voting on. Right now, they don't know. There could be 150 delegates or there could be 40 delegates. Um, the only thing we know is that we had reapportionment so that unlike the old judicial districts or recording districts, we know that at least one man, one vote will be preserved. However, convention, yes, major supporter Bob Berg is going on and telling everybody these are going to be done at a town hall and you're going to go to one side of the gym or the other, depending on who you want to go vote for. Well, that can't happen because the Constitution says the secrecy of the ballot shall be maintained. So this idea of uh, a different selection process is just out. It's going to be run by the law that says how elections occur in Alaska. Right now, that's ranked choice voting and open primary. Uh, and it, it does say that it will occur at the... Uh, next general election, that's in 2024, unless the legislature passes uh, a special election for that being done sooner. But the, the delegates uh, can be legislators. Uh, the local people in every district have selected already legislators because they think they're the best people to go down and uh, fight for the issues that they care about. So why anybody would think that we're going to have a different selection uh, of people in all these districts, uh, you know, it's beyond me. I don't think it's logical at all because they've already selected who they want to go represent them. Um, there's going to be some turnover. Some people won't want to do it. But, you know, this could happen over several years, too. There's nothing that says it's going to be a 75 or 100-day session once. It could be happening over several years. Uh, so anyway, um, I just think that um, there were a lot of things that were left undone by the convention yes people that leave this as a blank check to the legislature. So uh, Representative Seaton, I guess you can still, can you still call yourself representative if you're no longer? Yeah, I'm a former representative. Former representative? Yeah. So uh, Paul, you know, you had said that this could take three, you said a number of years. In my reading, I, I've also learned that it can, it's going to cost, if there was a convention, it would cost, you know, some estimates are $17 million. I guess my question is for, for both people, both panelists here, is this necessary? You know, because aren't there mechanisms that if we wanted amendments to the Alaska Constitution that we could enact them. I mean, there's been, you know, the PFD was an amendment, the privacy clause, the borough system. Those are all because of amendments that happened in the legislature, to my understanding. Yeah, and let, let's separate the cost out from the necessary because they're quite different. And I think the biggest part of the cost is going to be the decline of investment, the decline in 
or the holding up of uh, determination of going forward with projects because they don't know what the basis of the laws are going to be after they um, after those come forward. So, but if we look at the amendment process, the amendment process there have been 44 amendments proposed since statehood, and of course most of them came soon after the uh, uh, Constitution went into effect because you're making changes to a, a document that um, uh, is getting its trial run. But you know, in the since. Uh, 1999, there had been six amendments proposed, and of those, one passed. So the people of Alaska, even though the legislature can get two-thirds vote to carry something forward, the people of Alaska have only passed 28 of the 44, and in the last, you know, since 1999, have only passed one of the six amendments that have come before them. The people of Alaska are much more um, protective of their constitution than the legislature is. So, uh, yeah, these things can be solved by that. In fact, you know, people complain about the judiciary, uh, but the, the Judicial Qualification Commission and remedial powers was in 1968 passed by a constitutional amendment. So if people want to take that and change it, they can easily do it by a constitutional amendment. It just has to get agreement among people to pass something. But the legislature has been able to. The latest one was uh, 2016, which was to allow for uh, debt for post-secondary uh, student loans. Right now our constitution says you can only create debt for capital projects. Uh, it was a time of shortages. We definitely wanted students to stay in Alaska to go to school. And so the idea was, can we do something, um, uh, pass bonds to pay for that? And the people said no. And like they've said in five of the six constitutional amendments since 2000. Ben, did you have anything that you wanted to... Yeah, I think the original question was on the cost, was it? Um, it was... Is that the uh, direction you were headed here? It was actually more on the necessity. Like, are we able to, you know, change things without having a constitutional convention? But if you want to talk about the cost, too. Yeah, so the cost is, um, is relevant because, um, you know, money is a finite resource and um, matters, right? Um, I would argue that Maintaining our constitution um, is worth whatever cost it costs <laughs> because it's in a very important document. And the necessity piece of this is really a question about whether you think justice is attainable through our current legislative process. And I would just point to the dysfunction that's happening in the legislature for, I don't know, a decade or more now. I mean, this is one of the reasons why I chose to run is that we're having a, a problem getting things done within the legislature that actually matter. And it's not a, it's not a, um, it's not a, a problem of structure. It's a problem of will committee chairs and, and people who are put in positions of power, you know, kind of like the binding caucus concept prevent any conversations from happening on the topics that they don't want to talk about. And this is the dysfunction that happens. So yes, in, in technicality, in, in, a, in um, 
by by what's written down by on a piece of paper, we have the ability to pass a constitutional amendment in the legislature. But in reality, the politics say otherwise. We're not going to get a constitutional amendment passed. We can barely even form a majority to do business over the last two legislative um, cycles. And, and speaking specifically in the House, and the Senate was challenged too, but they got their act together a little sooner than the, the House did. I'm, I'm not talking about what, what uh, the paper, the Constitution, or the law says is possible. I'm talking about the politics of the matter, what people are witnessing happening in Juneau. If you want to have your government be responsive to those things that you want to have changed within your government, you're going to have to do it through a constitutional convention. You're going to have to take the reins because the folks that are being sent down to Juneau politically – are stymieing, they're stopping the conversations from even happening. And it is disingenuous to say, oh yeah, we discussed constitutional commitments. Uh, I beg to differ. There is no serious, um, no serious effort to try to pass a constitutional amendment to deal with the permanent fund um, issue or moving the legislature or judicial selection or spending cap issues. And our, our business community has been asking for a, a functional spending limit for decades decades and we can't get that through the the legislature there's just no will to do it in the legislature so if the people and the businesses want some stability in state spending they're going to have to do it through a constitutional convention the legislature will not act on that this is this dysfunction serves the political purposes of those who think and have a political philosophy of uh, higher taxation and higher spending and the current dysfunction enables that. So if the people want a, a, a constitutional spending limit that works and a, a government that is responsive to spending, um, spending wisely and not spending all of their, <laughs> all of their savings, be, being fiscally good stewards of the people's resource, they're going to have to make the changes in a constitutional convention because they cannot trust the legislature to do it. So um, the, the concepts of, of blank checks and, and chaos uh, just just as, as a um, looking into the crystal ball and thinking that you've got all of the answers. And that is just, that is just, it's a fallacy. The people have a messy process of self-government. Part of that process is a constitutional convention when the legislature fails to act. And that is where we find ourselves today. It is necessary. Thank you. And, you know, I would like to add that I, you know, I agree with Ben in some ways, and that way is that the politics is a problem, but the politics is not the Constitution. And to try and solve the dysfunction of the political arguments that are happening right now by going in and opening up the entire Constitution to all these changes, and I consider them radical changes that are being proposed by, yes, I mean, one of the like I say, the chief proponent of yes is Bob Byrd that has a constitution that he has worked on through the Alaskan Independence Party. They've proposed that. It's got all those issues, and we ought to talk about them because if you hide from those issues, uh, the public isn't knowing what they're going to be voting on or what the um, what's going to be discussed at that uh, constitutional convention. I mean, we're talking about changing the base document by, and for what reason? To put politicians, are, are we changing the way that we're going to select um, uh, 
representatives or senators. I mean, uh, in the constitution that's proposed from Bob Byrd, yes, the um, se uh, the senators would be chosen by boards of local uh, counties. They wouldn't be chosen by the people, the vote of the people. There's a whole lot of uh, things, but those are you know politics solutions. The big fundamental changes that are that could occur are things that should look at the Constitution, not trying to do policy for this legislative session, which sounds like is we're talking about is that politicians can't agree, so we should go in and change our foundational document to put all these just today's issues into the Constitution uh, that wouldn't be changed then for, I guess, another 10 years when the supporters, if something doesn't work, would want to come out and change it. So I just think... That I think this is the foundational issue um, at, that everybody's going to have to decide. The, the, the reasoning that, Paul, that you're using for why we should not have a constitutional convention is circular. If there are issues that the people are asking for the legislature to address, and yet the legislature refuses to address, i.e. move the Capitol from Juneau, we had a, not one, but two um, votes, <laughs> statewide votes on moving the legislature or moving the Capitol from Juneau in the affirmative. At least one of them was in the affirmative, right. most recent one. And yet the legislature ignores that. If we want those fundamental issues to be addressed, then we're going to have to do it in a constitutional convention called by the people because the people's representatives are failing to do what the people want them to do. That is the problem that we have, and it is circular reasoning to say that we, don't, we shouldn't open up our, the foundational document that we have that is a, a, an agreement with our government because there's another process to, um, to use, and that is to allow our representatives to, to modify the agreement, except that we don't, can't trust our representatives to solve the problems we sent them there to solve. So it's circular reasoning, and, it, and, it, and it's, um, it's not logical. If we want to address the problems, we have to bypass the legislature in order to do it. That is the problem. That is the quintessential problem that the people are, are facing right now, is that the issues of the day are not being addressed. So uh, I, I'd just like to say that that's a perfect uh, example of trying to solve a political problem, a policy problem, with addressing the Constitution instead of changing who we send to Juno, or people go to Juno not taking the position, I'm going to vote against every single budget that comes up, I won't do uh, this, I won't work together, I won't work across the aisle. If those are the people that we send to Juno, uh, then those policy fights are going to be there. But putting those policy fights uh, into the Constitution uh, or attempting to, um, I, don't, I just think is the entirely wrong uh, position to take. The, the, the Constitution is a policy call. It, it is the people's agreement with each other that a certain thing, a, a policy, is going to happen. Let's take the spending limit, the constitutional spending limit, for an example. That is a policy call. The business community has been asking for decades that we readdress that policy call right in the legislature and the legislature refuses to do it for decades so refuse to address it so i'm gonna 
I just want to remind the audience. So we have about 15 minutes left and there's a couple of things that I would like to ask that I haven't gotten to. I want to remind the audience, if you have questions, you can call up the station at 907-235-7721, or you can email Desiree, that's D-E-S-I-R-E-E, at kbbi.org. So my next question, and I'm hoping this is just a short kind of answer. So, you know, Governor Mike Dunleavy, Charlie Pierce, Kelly Chewbacca, Sarah Palin, they've all said that they support a constitutional convention. From what I've noticed, people on the more conservative side on the, of the spectrum are saying yes to ballot measure one. The no side seems to be more bipartisan. I'm wondering if this is a partisan issue. Well, this well is I guess I, 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 think I don't mind going first on this, and, and I think um, bipartisan is uh, kind of a, a crazy term right now. I don't know what it means to be Republican, and I don't know what it means to be Democrat. So putting a bunch of people with labels on in a room and calling them bipartisan, I don't know what that means either. Well, you're Republican. What does that mean to you? Yeah, and to me it means that the left does not want the, the socialist movement of bigger government, more taxation, more state spending, does not want a constitutional convention. The, the left that has uh, very leftist activist judges in the judiciary do not want that to change. And so, yes, this is a polarizing issue. It is a, it is a political issue, and it will always be a political issue because you can't separate politics from, from everyday life. There is a fundamental disagreement amongst Alaskans as to whether there should be activist judges or constitutional-leaning uh, judges. And th that is that is something that that involves um, the politics of of uh, that we see in everyday life. You know, that that's that's just that's human nature, and that's the way that it's going to be. Uh, and Desiree, I don't think that this is a, um, a right wing, left wing political issue at all. I think it's people that look at our constitution. Uh, understand that it was written at a time that uh, people uh, were able to get along, were had a uh, function that they wanted to become a state and wanted to, had the ability to look at all the other uh, 48 state constitutions, find out what worked and what didn't, and put together a constitution that worked for the people, that worked for solving those problems. And now we're stepping back and saying, oh, well, um, we don't like the way the the current politics is in Juno, and therefore we want to change that entire uh, foundational document. And and the risk of doing that uh, is tremendous. And and the risk is uh, for the things that people have talked about. I mean, we've got everything from uh, getting rid of boroughs and going to 20 counties and having those counties uh, select the senators um, instead of uh, the people voting on them. Uh, dumping the unified court system and the state troopers and making county sheriffs the ultimate authority in, in the uh, judicial system. And all these, these things are real and they're proposed and they're in documents by the people that support yes on one. And I don't think we should ignore them. And uh, Can I just sure. interrupt you really quick? I have a caller on line too. Caller, are you there? Yes, um, I I have a simple question. 
I just want to acknowledge Representative Carpenter's, uh, you know, view of what's going on in the legislature, and I, and I can understand that it's frustrating that he can't get any resolution because nobody can agree. And I, my question for him is, why does he think the Constitutional Convention is going to be any different than the legislature when we have such a, a divided uh, group? You know, in the, in the electorate and in the elected officials, why does he think that the constitutional convention is going to get any more done than the legislature will with with such a uh, polarization of opinions? Uh, I just think it's a waste of time, and I wondered why he thinks this will be a solution to the problem that is evident in the legislature. And I guess that's Thank a simple you. question. Yeah, thank you for the question, and it's a very important one. The distinction between uh, getting an amendment passed in the legislature and one in the Constitutional Convention comes down to the necessary votes to pass the amendment. In the legislature, it requires a supermajority, a two-thirds majority vote to pass an amendment. That means you have to have a higher level of agreement to, to solve a problem than just a majority of the, um, the represent, representatives, right, or senators. In the Constitutional uh, Convention, the delegates just need a simple majority in order to find agreement on a solution to a problem. And so that is why I, my, my hope is that um, just, just as in 1955, when we had a constitutional convention that, that dealt with a whole bunch of political issues and, and uh, a whole lot of debate and was, had all sorts of different things that could have come out of the, con the convention, the people agreed and had a, a, uh, passed a, a convention or a, sorry a um, co um, constitution and and came to agreement on issues and to think that that um, because we could do it once and uh, you know in 1955 we can create a constitutional convention through all of the different political um, challenges that existed in that day uh, somehow that you know history we can't look at history and say, oh, they had an easier time. No, they still had political issues and, and, and debates in their day, and it's no different than it is today. The, the issue is that we've got uh, a, a problem in uh, an ability of the people to get things done in the legislature that we've asked them to do. And with a constitutional convention, the people take control of that conversation. It is no longer in the hands of the legislature, and with a simple majority, they're able to solve those problems. And that is the that is the problem. We, that that's why I think that the constitutional convention is going to work in the people's best interest because they can they can deal with the nonsense and they can sift through it and pass uh, wise amendments just like we did in passing a constitutional uh, passing a constitution in 1955. The the reason why a constitutional convention is dangerous is because. Uh, unlike it, the third point by Constitution, yes, that these will be voted on individually, that's probably not going to be the case. Everybody's going to want their pet piece that they got in there to pass. We know that the uh, people coming, uh, that there'll be a constitutional amendment for uh, a uh, PFD in the Constitution and probably with a set amount, and that's probably what people will be voting on. And all of these other changes, if they get wrapped into one vote, uh, will just get uh, carried along, but that changes 
fundamentally our supporting document, our constitution on which all of the laws and everything are based on, and so we could have chaos for a long period of time. So, um, you know, you just have to remember when people are telling you you vote on these individually, that's not the case. Um, we Originally, the Constitution was passed as a single document, yes or no, you accept this. Um, you look at Rhode Island that had the latest Constitutional Convention in 86, and what they did is they had 25 amendments, they rolled them into packages, and if you wanted to vote for um, freedom uh, of uh, speech, you also had to uh, in that package, uh, vote on uh, uh, outlawing abortions. So um, those are the kind of things that can get all rolled together uh, that make this uh, quite uh, dangerous because uh, all of these things are going to be put there. Remember, legislators by the Constitution can be on uh, in the uh, Constitutional Convention, and uh, I. I suspect the majority will be because those are the people that have uh, been selected by the local areas to go represent them uh, on changes uh, in in Juneau. So whether it's the uh, whether it's for a convention or whether it's for laws or whether it's for the budget. So I have a caller online too. Bob, are you there? Hello. Let me try this again. Bob, are you there? I am, the, I am there. Can you hear me? Yes. Go ahead. Okay. My compliments to both Paul and Ben for... Oh, it's Bob Bird. This is Bob Bird. Since I was obviously brought into this conversation, I'm going to have to make one or two comments. And uh, Well, make I it quick because we have five minutes left of the show. I'll make it very fast, okay? So I want to compliment, first of all, both these gentlemen. But to answer to Paul, the Alaskan Independence Party Constitution was written and submitted in 2010 and involved Republicans, Independents, Libertarians, and AIP members. And it was in hopes of garnering a conversation for the 2012 vote. And as usual, it garnered no interest. We have kept it on our website in order to get people to talk about it, not because everything on it would be pushed for so it's become a straw man for the vote no people. Paul also okay. overlooks the fact that the legislature's secret ballot requirement is for elected offices and for citizens, not a constitutional convention. We certainly don't have a secret ballot requirement in a municipal or borough assembly uh, 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 vote. So uh, the secret ballot thing is up for grabs and argumentation. So that's what I just wanted to say, and compliments to both of them. Thank you so much. I We just have five more minutes left of this show, so I want to make sure I give time for any like closing statements or last comments. Um, either one of you want to go first? Sure. I, I'd go ahead, and because we've talked a little about uh, Alaska judicial uh, selection process and all, I think it's really important for everybody to understand the alternatives. I mean, the Judicial Council is uh, six members uh, plus the Chief Justice, uh, who really is only administratively there. 
that work on uh, selecting the best qualified judges, and they work on all the they look at the applicants on integrity, legal ability, impartiality, and fairness, judicial uh, temperament, um, diligence, and overall judicial performance, and make recommendations on the best of the people that applied for a judgeship to the governor who then uh, appoints those. So the other way of doing that is you have political appointed judges like you have in the federal system. Um, in there, you know, it's political appointment. If the um, Senate agrees with um, somebody on their own party, you get them in whether they're qualified or not or what their judicial temperament is or not. The other thing that we have is we have the retention vote. So that three years after uh, a judge is appointed, then they are investigated and are on, on those same criteria, and um, the people get a report, should this person be retained or not? Um, everybody, including the jurors, the defense, the uh, prosecutors, everybody is, as well as the public, are asked for recommendations on those. So if you go away from that system of looking at qualifications to appoint and retain judges to political appointees or probably even worse, elected judges, because we have the all of the money that comes into those and then you have attorneys that are supporting the judge, practicing before the judge, and so you can imagine the impartiality going out the window. So anyway, it, it's... Uh, you need to look at how that would work and what people are dis, uh, dissatisfied uh, with our judges. Thanks. Thank you. Ben? Yeah, so I would just like to very quickly, um, as, a, as a rebuttal to that last statement, just point out that the, the selection of judges is already a political um, process. It, three members of the Judicial Council are, are um, nominated or appointed by the governor, and three are appointed by the Bar Association. And the tie-breaking vote on anything that comes uh, uh, out of the Judicial Council would be made by another lawyer, another judge, the Supreme Court, the uh, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. So that, that is an inherently political process already. That's what we have. And, and it's skewed to the Bar Association, a trade association, for uh, determining members of the judiciary, three bar members or three recommendations for, for, I'm sorry, three members of the Judicial Council are members of the bar, and so is the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. So it only takes four members in agreement that are all part of the same trade organization. It is already a political process. So um, it's a fallacy to say that there's only one solution to that. So Ben, I just want to be conscious of our time to, we have just yeah. about a minute left of this program. Yeah. Well, I think that people also need to realize that, um, as, as um, Paul pointed out with a pyramid example earlier, that the, the power of the Constitution comes not from the Constitution, it comes from natural law. And that first article and section is, uh, speaks about natural natural right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and the enjoyment of the rewards of their own industry. And if you are seeing challenges happening in your government where that is at stake, that those laws are not granted to you by a constitution, they are uh, supported by a constitution, they exist in nature. And if the constitution and our laws are, are um, making that more difficult for you, then 